Good day, friends. I'm the Gentle Rambler, returning from a week's long break. And I wish I could say I'm doing well. Mainly, my mood is currently reflective of some of the horrific events that have taken place around the world of late, but mostly here in the United States of assault weapons. It's exasperating to be an American uh, these days, I must say. A lot of you folks that listen are from the uh, United Kingdom and other parts of Europe. And when it comes to the issue of gun control or lack thereof, it's certainly a problem that has all of its roots and evils in this country. Originally, I was going to focus on the Buffalo supermarket shooting when I was planning on doing this show uh, originally. And then a sickeningly, but not shockingly, an even more despicable act of super violence took place in Texas. Now, I'm sure a lot of you are like me. Uh, just so upset and burned out from all the coverage this tragedy has received. But as the gentle rambler, I feel it's necessary to give you a bit of analysis and some of my opinion on not just the gun violence aspect of this nightmare, but also the role the police played in what happened in Texas, and of course the role our heartless and gutless politicians play in all this. Uh, one man who I must say uh, walked a tightrope the other day, and that's uh, Beto O'Rourke whom, for those of you who don't know, is a candidate for president, uh, you know, last presidential election, and is currently running for uh, the Democratic choices, the governor, uh, Democratic choice for Texas governor. I was watching uh, another brain-dead politician reading a meaningless prepared statement about prayers for the families of victims and how the role of mental health awareness is the cause and solution of mass shootings. And just as I was going to flip the channel in anger, here was Beto O'Rourke standing up for what's right. Now, I'm not going to make this, uh, you know, a campaign commercial for Beto O'Rourke, but it did take a lot of balls to do to do what he did. And then people accuse him of politicizing a, a tragic, uh, a tragedy. But what do all these douchebags do when they get up there and read from some script about moments of silence and prayers and fucking flags at half mast? I mean... Think about it. Think, think about it, man. Anyhow, the first story I have here regarding the gun control debate in this country, uh, and it's from The Atlantic, actually. And it's uh, the reason America doesn't have gun control. The basic rules of American democracy provide a veto over national policy to a minority of states. By Ronald Brownstein, uh, here it goes. After each of the repeated mass shootings that provide a tragic backbeat, to American life, the same doom dan doomed dance of legislation quickly begins. As the outrage demands uh, for action are inevitably detailed, derailed in Congress, excuse me, disappointed gun control advocates and perplexed ordinary citizens point their fingers at the influence of the National Rifles Association or the intransigence in opposition of congressional Republicans. Those are both legitimate factors, but the stalemate of gun control legislation since Bill Clinton's first presidential term ultimately rests on a much, much deeper problem, the growing crisis of majority rule in American politics. Polls are clear that while Americans don't believe gun control would solve all the problems associated with gun violence, a commanding majority supports the central priorities of gun control advocates, including uh, universal background checks and assault weapons ban. And that just seems like it would be... Uh, obvious, um, you know, common sense, uh, common sense laws there. I mean, um, everybody, you, you know, if you haven't seen, obviously, or you heard the, uh, the massive amount of, of damage that AR-15s can do to, uh, to a human, you know, the human body, the, you know, I mean, 
what do we need uh, AR-15s for? You don't need that for self self defense. I mean, self defense. Honestly, you could take down some people with, with an aluminum baseball bat. I don't know why assault weapons became uh, all of a sudden became like a, a necessary um, implement of self defense. Uh, you know, all over this country, it's 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 really uh, it's absurd. Yet, despite this overwhelming consensus. It's highly unlikely that the massacre of at least 19 school children and two adults in Ubalde, Texas, or President Joe Biden's emotional plea for action will result in any legislative action, which we know it probably won't. Um, if it won't, you know, this has been going on since, um, well, it's been heavily, uh, you know, put in the media since uh, Columbine, when uh, back when I was in high school in the um, was that 2000 or 99. So, I mean, this keeps happening. Um, the, the, wor the worst part about it is um, the age of the victims. Have just, it, it seems like um, you know these people are going into places where seemingly um, they're going to get uh, not a lot of resistance from their uh, perceived victims, and, and that's that's really the most uh, sad. You know, obviously, the most sad part about the whole thing is that these are children, babies being killed. Um, due to the fact that our gun control in this country is a complete fucking joke. Okay, that's because, uh, here it is, uh, gun control is one of the many issues in which uh, Senate majority opinion in the nation runs into a brick wall of a Senate rule, the filibuster. That provides a veto over national policy to a minority of the states, most of them small, largely rural, predominantly white, and dominated Republicans. The disproportionate influence of small states has come to shape the competition for national power in America. Democrats have uh, won the party uh, vote in seven of the past eight presidential elections, something no party had done since the formation of the modern party system in 1828. Yeah, Republicans have controlled the White House after three of those elections, including instead one, twice uh, winning the Electoral College while losing the popular vote. Now, that's just the, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the, um, the bureaucracy of our uh, government as as, as con constructed. So, I mean, uh, that's also not going to change, just like uh, the gun laws won't change. Um, you figure uh, tragedy after tragedy, you know, I would hope that a certain number of, of uh, the populace would, would, would swing in the other direction. You know, you hear the NRA and you hear these, these uh, washed up musicians that were set to perform at these uh, NRA gatherings of 80,000 uh, gun owners and you know it shows you that that there are some who you know gun, gun uh, owners who feel it's gone too far and something has to be done about it the Senate imbalance has been even more striking according to calculations by Lee Drutman a senior fellow in the political reform program in New America a center-left think tank Senate Republicans have represented a majority of the U.S. population for only two years since 1980 if you assign half of each state's population to each of its senators, but largely because of its commanding hold on smaller states. The GOP has controlled the Senate majority for 22 of the 42 years. The uh, practical implication of these imbalances were dramatized by the last full-scale Senate debate over gun control, and that was after... Yeah, after the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting in Connecticut, the Senate in 2013 voted on a measure backed by President Obama to impose background checks on all gun sales. Again, assigning half of each state's population to each of the senators, the 54 state, state senators who supported the bill um, represented 194 million Americans. The remaining senators who opposed the bill represented 118 million people. 
but because of the Senate's filibuster rule, which requires the backing of 60 senators to move legislation to a vote, the 118 million per bill. I don't, I don't understand that. I, I don't understand that 60 vote thing. Um, obviously, I just explained that that's what the filibuster is. But I mean, if you, if you, you know, they come into these elections and they show you, you know, and this is one, this is one issue where, you know, obviously it's a, it's, a, it's an extremely partisan issue. And it's one where I personally always fall on the side of the Democrats um, when it comes to gun control. But it's like, you know, you fight so hard to just get the majority in, in the Senate, you know, when there's an election. And then uh, you need 60 votes to, to pass something as serious and as important as gun control. I don't understand. There's so many, there's so much backdoor nonsense in the United States government. I don't see how anything is going to be um, accomplished, really, with... Um, with anything of any uh, substance and importance, uh, something as, as important as gun control, where, you know, people's lives, people's children lives hang in the balance. Uh, I'm move on here a little bit uh, to this piece. Even though the NRA has weakened institutionally, this is on the NRA, its influence inside the GOP has been magnified by the reconfiguration of American politics along geographic lines. When Congress, during Clinton's first term, created the national background check system through the Brady Bill and later approved a ban on assault weapons, which has since expired, significant numbers of congressional Democrats representing rural constituencies opposed the legislation, while significant numbers of Republicans from big suburban constituencies supported it. Now, I remember when I was a, a little kid, and I remember the Brady, uh, the Brady gun laws, and and uh, you know the whole thing in Waco happened, and that's that's basically why the, the federal government, I mean, the whole thing was a nightmare. But that's why they had their, um, that was basically their, uh, you know, that, that was their 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 cue to go in to that to, to the Waco complexes because uh, he had assault rifles in there, uh, you know, caressing everybody. So uh, that's something I remember, and I remember the debate on gun control as a young, as a very young. Um, you know, as a child, and um, you know, gun, guns at that time, you know, the gun issue wasn't as um, pertinent as it is now because you didn't see the gun, the gun uh, violence uh, in like you know in, in schools and just you know at, at your, at your uh, local supermarket, you know, people coming in with with assault rifles that that you know if you seen the the bullets that 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 come out of these weapons, it's 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 outrageous, and I can't believe that. Um, it's it's difficult to even talk about this sometimes because it's just so hard that adults that are supposed to be you know running running the uh, the country supposed to be keeping people safe. We're gonna get to the police in a minute too. Um, well, in Texas anyway, uh, you know, keeping people safe and they're just they're failing so epically, so miserably failing at their at their you know duty as politicians, um, police officers, whatever to to protect. Uh, their citizens. Um, so that was a piece from the from the Atlantic. A good piece there on um, some of the reasoning why uh, gun control doesn't get fixed. Um, and there's a number of reasons there. So anyway, uh, yeah. So it's a, it's really it's a difficult uh, situation um, to really um, talk about uh, something so awful. But anyway, the next thing I do want to get to, uh, I just mentioned, uh, since here on The Rambler, we love the police oh so much, um, we're going to talk about the abject failure 
of the state and I guess the federal law enforcement that were on hand at the incident in Texas. I have a piece here from this CBS uh, news site. Um, it's right up here. And it is delay in breaching the classroom during Texas school shooting was wrong decision, officials say. Uh, the decision by the on-site commander to delay breaching the classroom of a Texas elementary school during mass shooting this week was the, quote, wrong decision, authorities said Friday. Nearly 20 officers stood in a hallway outside of the classrooms during the attack on Robb Elementary School for more than 45 minutes before agents used a master key to open the door and confront the gunman. Texas Department of Public Safety Director Stephen McCraw said at a news conference, let me say one thing about this McCraw fellow and this news conference. This guy, man, if, if you watch this uh, news conference, let me tell you something, he took, a lot of, he took a lot of heat, and rightfully so, but the emotion that was coming out of this man, and I don't know if he, if he, if this was, he was planning this. I, it doesn't, it didn't look like it was like a prefabricated um, emotion. He was really, it was, he was finding it difficult to, you know, read the names of the victims and, and to, to try to defend it. these officers who were all standing there with, you know, M16s, which, you know, basically AR-15s, M16s, those are your, those are your semi-automatic rifles, just standing there doing nothing. Now, you know, I make a lot of, uh, points about how, you know, the, the heroes and everything else. And, you know, you become a police officer, you've got to expect to be put in certain situations. Like the fellas on 9-11. Now, they, they went, the, uh, they went to, to, to the other end. You know, they, they went above and beyond the call of duty, running into burning buildings to save, uh, to pull out big survivors. In this case, it was the complete opposite. Now, I don't know exactly if they were just following orders, you know, but... Um, they did a really poor job. Anyway, the on-site commander, identified by the Associated Press as the school district's police chief, believed 18-year-old Salvador Ramos was barricaded in the classroom in Uvalde during Tuesday's attack and that children were not at risk, McCross said. Quote, he was convinced at the time that there was no more threat to the children and that the subject was barricaded and that they had time to organize to get into the classroom, McCross said, which we know was uh, untrue. Of course, it was not the right decision. It was the wrong decision, he said. Friday's briefing came after authorities spent three days providing often conflicting and incomplete information about the 90 minutes that elapsed between the time the gunman entered the school and when U.S. Border Patrol agents unlocked the classroom door and finally uh, subdued and killed. The U.S. Border Patrol tactical agents pressed law enforcement to go into the school but ultimately entered the building on their own initiative. Uh, federal law enforcement officials told CBS News Friday. So uh, it's just a failure. In, in, I mean, I don't want to just open up and say this is like an act of cowardice on their part. Uh, you know, maybe they, you know, they just say, oh, you know, they had time to. But I don't understand that that, that uh, thought process in, 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 a, in a situation like that. Whether or not the kid is, quote, barricaded. In, in an empty classroom, he's in there with a machine gun. Now, why would he barricade, you know, if he's going, he, everybody knows what happens at these shootings. These three guys aren't going in here, and they're not, they're not going to take, uh, they're not going to take, uh, uh, you know, uh, hostages and barricade themselves behind doors. They're going in there to kill as many human beings as they could possibly kill, and then eventually probably themselves. So why, what, I think, I think that's just, that's just a poor excuse. Um, you need to go in and you need to, to get this, the, the idea to take this person down because there's innocent children in there, 10-year-old children, teachers, 
um, you know, who were just left left there to die. I mean, you know, I don't know how many how many kids would have been saved if they would have got in quicker. I don't know if they're going to bring that up. It's a bit of a short article here, but I mean, still, I mean, you got to go in there when there's a, a, a fucking guy shooting children uh, or potentially shooting children. McCross said there was a barrage of gunfire shortly after the gunman entered the classroom, where they killed him, but that shots were sporadic for much of the 48 minutes while officers waited outside the hallway. Maybe he already killed uh, everyone who was in the room, for, potentially, perhaps. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that these guys, usually, you know, they usually want to work fast. They usually try to kill as many people as possible. He said investigators do not know if or how many children died during those 48 minutes. Throughout the attack... Police and children repeatedly called 911 asking for help, including a girl who pleaded, please send police now. Oh, boy. And, you know, I think this is when this McCraw fellow got, because uh, that was a quote, please send police now. This McCraw guy got, got uh, very emotional because, I mean, she had a 10-year-old girl, you know, pleading for her life, basically. And these guys did not get the job done now. This is not the root of the issue. Police cowardice, uh, lack of police training, uh, lack of um, you know, uh, you know, gung ho attitude to go in there. Whatever the case is, that's not the root of the issue. The root of the issue is a fellow like this kid getting his hands on an assault rifle at the age of eighteen. Um, you, I don't even think a brain is fully formed yet at eighteen. You know, I don't think you, you know you should be able, to obviously, to tell the right from wrong, all that type of stuff. But um, as an eighteen-year-old having an assault weapon, what what are we doing here, people? You you can't smoke cigarettes when you're eighteen. They tell you the dangers of cigarettes every day on these damn commercials. You see, I mean, cigarettes. You know, like I see you're in defense cigarettes, but you gotta watch uh, bleeding hearts and bleeding lungs on, on the on the TV. Where are the where are the uh, gun violence commercials? You know, I mean, we gotta see gun violence on the news. So I guess that's your commercial for it. You know, the, the six o'clock evening news. That's that's your gun control commercial. And that's your real life of people being killed. Children, goddammit, being shot, being murdered because, um, because you know, uh, basically uh, our laws are fucked. That, that's basically the, uh, the gist of it. So that was uh, the CBS uh, News site. Uh, that, was, that was a good piece there. And um, so moving on, I mean, we're, we're really just going to focus on, um, on the gun control debate because that, that's all the... Uh, that's all the wise here about what's going on. Um, yeah, and it's it's hard to it's really hard to transition to any other subject matter. Um, so I mean, this episode, I mean, it's it's really too difficult. It, it is. Um, so anyway, I wanted to leave you off uh, this week by reading from an editorial blog entry from a friend of the show's. Uh, his name is Dylan. He does the Marine and Hippie uh, podcast with Doc Stodden. He was on the Rambler last year. Anyway, I want to thank you, Dylan, for this piece, and uh, let's get to it, shall we? Uh, so uh, let's get to Dylan's piece here. It's called The Fifth Commandment versus the Second Amendment, uh, which is very, very clever. Uh, let's see. It starts off here with guns are the same. Their origin form was a single shot with a knife on the end that you used as a lance because the one shot rarely did anything, especially in inclement weather. That was the arms the founders were referring to when writing the Constitution. Muskets, not AR-15s or Glocks. Strangely enough, many who support the Second Amendment still believe in creationism, only as it pertains to them. We wouldn't be here today if we were discussing privately owned muskets. Math is based on logic. 
Logic is based on the ability to connect the dots in a meaningful way by making inferences and predictions. We call this process thinking, and thinking is the ability to create tools and solve problems. Tools are what separate us from the animals. Lots of cool animals out there, but none that make tools to solve real-world problems. Unfortunately, many of the problems today are also caused by man. Fact is, we would never have survived this far without the ability to problem-solve and make tools. For this brain journey, I am focused on one problem specifically, the gun problem in America. If you would like to read more, here is another on the same topic with a different angle. And then he has a, he has a little... Um, you know, he has a link there for, for that piece. And, uh, well, here, here we go. We got a little more here. Uh, for starters, I am a fan of evolution in all forms from smoke signals to voice messages. And that uh, has all come between. All that has come between, sorry. That is the evolution of communication. If you are reading this, you are reaping its rewards. Gore-Tex to keep us dry. Airplanes to travel long distances. French presses because I like coffee. <laughs> and computers, as we know them, have all evolved from their beginnings to what they are today. But let's put aside the musket versus AR-15 debate for a minute. I think that speaks clearly enough on its own and focus on the math of gun violence in America and see if the numbers add up to taking actions or not, to deciding whether or not the Second Amendment as it stands does more harm than good or more good than harm. Quick stats here. Uh, in 2017, there were roughly 394 million guns in the hands of Americans. Of those guns, 1 million were registered. Apparently, we are more interested in keeping track of women's ovaries and our pets than we are designed for one purpose, killing. Even the doctor who performs abortions has to be trained and licensed to do so, or they will have medical licensee revolt and be held criminally accountable for their actions, but not with guns. Even putting the lack of licensed firearms aside, uh, uses aside, the math paints an even grimmer picture. Americans in America are being killed at an alarming rate at the end of the barrel of guns. The narrative that we need guns to protect ourselves doesn't add up to even 1%. In 2020, there were 44,222 deaths by firearms in America. Now, that number in and of itself suggests that owning a gun and practicing to use it to its use is necessary because gun violence is frequent. Well, it is frequent, but not in how you think. After researching this data to see if the data told me a different story so that I could be more understanding of gun ownership, the math led me down a different path. I mean, this is this is some piece, uh, Dylan. I really want to thank you for it. Uh, you know, there's a few more paragraphs here. I'm actually gonna, I'll, I'll put the link on my Twitter, um, on my Twitter page, for the rest of the article. I, you know what? I'll just finish it off here. I got I got time to finish it. Um, and I okay. So he says here, I, I get that the Second Amendment is about protecting ourselves, and I am for self protection and preservation. What I am not for is being anti change against the evolution of tools and how we use them. No one wants to return to smoke signals or outhouses. The fact is we like indoor plumbing and cell phones, but guns have changed. How we use and regulate them should change too. The data shows that there are very few instances where a civilian protecting a person or a home is using a gun. I did mention that earlier. Baseball bat works just fine for a lot of people. That's a lie to sell products. The data presents a completely different story. Almost all deaths are found to be criminal by nature as either murder, negligence, or assault. And to those who think we may have a revolution, we may, but it will be won by those with the most money. 
Those who think they're AR-15 pea shooters are a match for a drone being driven by an expert at 100 miles away are fools. Whoever has the side of the army and supply chain will win. That's the system we fostered and allowed to be built. The pea shooter against the best army ever known to man will do very little. I don't know what legislation needs to be passed, but if only 0.04% of all kills by firearms in America are just, it does suggest that those are who are against an overhaul of the Second Amendment are pro-murder. That's not me passing judgment. That's me. That's the math telling a clear story and pointing me in a clear direction. And his name is Dylan Netter. Um, that is his. Uh, that was his piece about the Second Amendment. It's a fantastic piece. I love it. I love it for its um, for its data, for its um, you know, for the statistics he gave us, but also for the, for the way in which he writes it. I think it's fantastic. Is his. Uh, his blog is called Observation from the Spectrum, and I, and I really dig that. I really uh, dig that a lot, Dylan. Thank you for letting me uh, present that on this show in this um, about this uh, about this issue of gun violence. Um, so focusing on such a topic of immense importance, um, but also one that inspires a lot of passion from whichever side of the spectrum you fall on, you always hope common sense hope, uh, will uh, eventually prevail in this case. And when you read something like that, that's giving you common sense statistics. It's giving you a, a common sense just overview of what gun violence is and what it's doing to the fabric of this country, and what it's and how we, you know. I mean, we he, he he mentioned abortion there, and I brought abortion a few times on the show recently, and it's it's a, it's another issue that um, it, it's 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 really it splits. It splits the country and almost two. I'd like to think there's more on the side of, of good, on the side of, of common sense when it comes to guns and abortion as well. But it's a close uh, split. I mean, you had numbers there that I believe the Atlantic gave you where, you know, the, the majority of senators are, or if the, the senators in the majority come from the Democratic states are 184 million and there's 119 on the other side. Um, so, I mean, generally it seems like there's more Democrats the, in the country. And that's not always the best thing. I'm not going to sit here. You know, there's a lot of issues where Democrats are just as fucked um, as the Republicans are. You know, it comes to war, a lot of things, spying on people for, for, for uh, but that's a biggie. But th this issue on gun violence, it, it's, you know, that that's where one, one thing where the Democrats maybe have the better, um, the better uh, uh, opinion on this sort of thing. And like I just said, it's tough to um, to talk about um, certain issues for me, get me worked up. You know, it robs me of my ability to, you know, to put satire into the uh, program because I, I love to, you know, I love to, to have, a, you know, a comedic element to the show. But when it's something as serious as this and as damaging to the, you know, people's families, you know, losing children, you know, this is, we're not talking about war, we're not talking about losing Marines, or even though it's terrible, uh, of course, um, but this is something that is just, it, it's just, a, it's a, it's a horrible thing, and I, and I hope, um, somebody could do something to help the, um, help these politicians just get on the page with each other, and just make, make, make a, a, a positive first step, you know, don't don't let eighteen year olds get their hands on on, uh, on AR-15s. I mean, I, I don't think it's that difficult. They make it seem like it's so fucking hard, but I don't think it is.
I think they want to make it that hard because if you if you take a peek into where these politicians get their funding from, get their uh, campaign money from, just take a look at it. Take a look at how many get 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 their uh, or how much funding they receive from the NRA, from anti-abortion groups, whatever it is. So anyway, that was a, a serious episode of the Rambler. It's uh, coming down like buckets here in the New York area. The rain right now. It's pouring here in the, in the area. But um, yeah, because that's a tough uh, issue, and and it started pouring the minute I started the show because this is um, it, it's it's a dark cloud hanging over the United States of America currently, and I don't, it, it's not gonna. I don't think it's going away anytime soon, and I really wish it would. Um, I mentioned the NRA. They are they are a group that has a lot of power still. Not as much as maybe they had 15, 20 years ago, but obviously they have control over the important uh, players in this, which are politicians. So anyway, this was episode 48, and I am a gentle rambler signing off.